Well, welcome to Aspen Chapel's podcast on today, Sunday, the 26th of February. And today we're doing a ritual for the beginning of Lent. Now, on this podcast, you'll hear some of the words in that ritual. There's some poetry as well. But if you want to see the ritual itself, then do go to our website and have a look at previous services. And you'll be able to see uh, we're using ash and various other things. Um, do go and have a look at that. Well, welcome, everybody, uh, to the Aspen Chapel. Welcome to your stream, your Nymera. Slightly different uh, order today. This is one of those Sundays where you come and you go, oh dear, it's in the round. And if you're here for the first time, you know, normally we are nicely sitting in rows, facing the front uh, and uh, you know, doing it in a normal way. But occasionally we'll have a ritual, uh, which will be different. And uh, today, really, we're marking the beginning of Lent. The beginning of Lent is just really... Round the corner, it's Wednesday. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And of course, Tuesday is Fat Tuesday. So we're just about to arrive. But because we don't, no one turns up here on Wednesdays. Uh, therefore, we have it on a Sunday. And uh, it's nice to actually to have these rituals that mark the seasons. Do come in. If kids want to go downstairs, they can straight away. Uh, if you'd like to parentate them downstairs, that'd be great. Um, now, Ash Wednesday is a day of fasting. It's the first day of Lent. And it occurs 46 days uh, before Easter. Anyone know why it's 46 when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days? Because, (laughs) sorry? Why is that? Yes, because the church doesn't count the weekends. They can drink and eat at weekends on Sundays. So they don't count the Sundays. It's supposed to be 40 days uh, before Lent. That's the, the amount of time that Jesus was in the wilderness. And it originated really where, Lent originated where people prepared themselves for Easter. And it's a good thing to have, I think, a period of preparation. There are two main periods of preparation you have in the sort of church calendar. One is Advent and one is Lent. And you know, it's interesting, the traditional ways that people, you know, look at Lent, like giving up chocolate and all that sort of business, The reason that was done is because it was when you let go of the coping mechanisms, could be alcohol, could be anything, you let go of the coping mechanisms that you use to suppress your feelings. So you just are willing to have whatever comes up during that period of Lent. And um, on Ash Wednesday, it derives its name from the fact that there's a ceremony of ashing when someone will come up and they'll put a stroke of ash on you and they say, remember that you were dust and to dust you shall return. Um, And and that really is the symbolic nature of letting go at that point. I think it's also interesting, remember you are dust. We've been talking over the last period of time about the fact that we are all still from that 13.7, or Willie told me it's 13.8 billion years ago, the Big Bang. We are dust. We are still that dust uh, that came at that particular moment. And it also represents that ashing the transiency of all things. You know, we, 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 the fact that all things will pass. It's a sabering thought that, uh, that at some point we will all return to nothing. And that, it, as I said before, it will end badly for all of us. As that great theologian Jim Morrison said, no one here gets out alive. <laughs> and it's true. And we do have to remember, remember that because it just gives us the impetus to do stuff when we remember that we're not going to be here. But I think it's more than that. It's not just that we're not going to be here. It's not just, you know, 
that you are dust and to dust shall return. It's also the idea that all the great plans that we've got in our lives, all those wonderful ideas, you know, everything that, we've, that we're working towards, that will all go. All the things that we are striving for will become dust too. And the whole idea that we are dust and to dust we shall return links in, I think, with the nature of transformation. You know, I was saying the other day that, you know, I thought that the, what's needed in order to transform the world is, you know, we actually have to, I said a couple of weeks ago, in order to transform, we have to actually do nothing. We have to show up. That's the most important thing. And I was saying that most of us don't show up in our lives. Mother Teresa says, show up and things will happen. But a lot of the time I was saying, we don't show up in our lives because we think, we worry, we worry, we worry, we fear, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we're not present. Think really as how you arrived in the chapel today. A lot of the time you arrive in the chapel and, you know, You've immediately got concerns. How am I going to come across? What's going to, oh my goodness, it's all in a circle. Your mind is sort of going through all, you know, can I escape and sit down somewhere? There's a seat over here if you want. There's a seat over here if you want one, just here. Just over here. Brian, have a seat there, yeah. So we're all, you know, considering what we're doing, how we're coming across, who's going to say hi to us, who's not going to say hi to us. You know, most of the time in a social setting, we're either projecting ourselves in a certain way and what's really going on inside is something completely different. You know, we want to make sure we're seen in the best possible light. We have our Sunday faces on. Hi, how are you doing today? When really there's a lot more that's going on. You know, we're quite invested in our personalities and we want to make sure that they're seen as the best. Now, I've said this before in a number of times here, but you know, the word personality comes from the Greek word persona. And the persona in ancient Greece was the mask that the actor wore on the stage the mask that was either a happy mask or a sad mask, whatever it was, it was a mask. And literally, persona means that which is spoken through. And our personalities really are that which are spoken through. So in reality, that which we're worrying about, how we come across, how people see us, is really the mask that we have that we operate with the world. And one of the things we let go of at Ash Wednesday is that mask, is how we come across, how we think about how we come across, how we worry about what other people think of us. We're going to um, have a poem now written by Mary Oliver, and Cher's going to, to read that to us. And after that, uh, Dan's going to sing his first song. Crossing the Swamp by Mary Oliver. Here is the endless, wet, thick cosmos, the center of everything, the nugget of dense sap, Branching vines, the dark bird, faintly belching bogs. Here is swamp, here is struggle, closure, pathless, seamless, peerless mud. My bones knock together at the pale joints, trying for foothold, finger hold, mind hold over such slick crossings. Deep hip holes, hummocks that sink silently into the black, slack earth soup. I feel not wet so much as painted and glittered with the fat, grassy mires, the rich and succulent marrows of earth. A poor dry stick given one more chance by the whims 
of swamp water, a bough that still, after all these years, could take root, sprout, branch out, bud, make of its life a breathing palace of leaves. So when we drop our masks, I'm suggesting, we become present. And being present is showing up. Because I'm suggesting that real presence that's happening behind our masks, that real presence that's the deep seat of our consciousness, is really what makes the difference. That presence which allows the reality of that consciousness to shine through. You look like you're here for an interview for all both of you here. Here we are. Now we've all got you here today. Here. <laughs> Never mind. You're here now. I just thought I'd do that. So, um, that lovely phrase, you know, rely on nothing. That's where, what we're talking about. Rely on nothing so that nothing can do its work. That great Buddhist quote, O seeker, rely on nothing until you want nothing. So I'm going to suggest we just, I mean, I burbled on a bit about this, but it's good to investigate where you're at in relationship to what's going on with you. So what I'm going to just suggest in a moment, that you close your eyes, and I'm just going to read a couple of little bits just for you just to imagine a couple of things. If you're up for that, I'm going to do that. So uh, maybe close your eyes. And um, imagine that you're at a door and that you're about to enter a room. On the other side of that door, in that room, is your future. All the most important people in your life are there, and those who can directly affect your future. They're waiting for you to enter. Just think who those people might be. Friends, family, work colleagues, prospective work colleagues, people who will decide your future, government officials, immigration officers. Imagine those people at the other side of the door. What sort of impression do you want to create? How do you want them to see you? What qualities, what values, what energy, what level of confidence do you want to put across? What impact do you want to have on them? Now reach for the door handle, and as you begin to turn it, notice how you feel. What's actually going on with you? What do you feel? What are you afraid of? What do you hope will not happen? 
What do you think they will see if you do not come across the way you want to? If they saw you in the way that you really felt? Okay, now just let the door handle go. And when you're ready, just open your eyes and come back into the room. Okay, under your chairs, you'll find a bit of paper and a pen. And actually, it's a mask. And I want you to pick up those masks. And what I want you to do is... I want you to write, we did think of having real masks, I did this once with the children, and, and being, I did think of having real masks, but I thought it would just look too culty if we all had real masks, I'll be like, ah, what's, what's going on? So I've got paper masks. So what I want you to do with a pen is I want you to write on the front of the mask what sort of impression you would have liked to create in the world. You know, what, what, when you walk into that room, what sort of impression would you like to create in the world? What sort of person you want people to think you are? And then on the back of the masks, I want you to write, in a sense, what's really going on, the experiences that you hide from others, your insecurities, all the things that are actually happening, your worries, your fears. Now, I want to say that you will not be asked to turn to the next person and share any of this. I can guarantee that that none of this will have to be revealed. It is only for you. So the front of the mask, the impression you want to create, and on the back of the mask, you know, what actually is going on most of the time. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a a few moments to do that. See if you can just put down how you like to come across and in a way what you feel that you don't want people to see, front and back. Do you want to just wave at me with your, if you've done that, just put your hand up if you've finished, just so I can see how many people. I'll give you a couple more minutes just to, to finish that. actually a process that lasts the whole of your life but we'll just have a few minutes here okay okay now i just want you to have a look at the discrepancy between the front and the back all all the mixed emotions that we put ourselves through in life and the interesting thing is none of them are actually real they're all the things that go through our mind what we present really is just an idea of how we'd like to come across And on the back is how we fear that we might be seen. And in reality, none of it's real. All of it comes from our minds, as really does our whole approach to life. All that goes through our heads, and most of it is fear and worry and worry and worry. Fear drives so much of our lives. Fear drives so much of our our lives. Last week I was talking about the industrialization of fear in the way that our society at the moment is containing situations using force through incarceration, military might and aggression. But it's ever been thus. You know, before there was also there's been the politicization of fear using fear to drive political agendas. And, you know, in the church, there's been the spiritualization of fear, where the church has used the currency of fear to bring people 
under their control. You just look at the way the Middle Ages worked and the relationship with the church and its people. It was a lot of it about fear. And before that, you really had the collectivization uh, of fear, where feudal lords used famine to force people into subjugation. And nowadays, we're still run by fear. And it runs us as we go about our daily lives. And if we can't transform that fear, if we can't do something with it, it will drive us into action. And that leads us, that, that necessity to do something about fear leads us open to people who will use our desire to act to manipulate us into their own agendas. We have that desire to act out of our fear, and then people will use that, whether that be political, religious, or merely through hatred. And so we come to the ritual for the beginning of Lent, which is really about giving up acting out of our fears and trying to hide who we are. The fear of the reality of who we are not matching up to the expectation, that our lives won't match up to the expectation, the fear of losing, and really important, the fear of not having enough. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return, is what the officiant will say to you as they put ash on your forehead. And this represents giving up the battle between what we fear and what we want to have happen. What we fear, the battle between what we fear and what we want to have happen, both of which, incidentally, are unreal. Our fear is unreal and what, what we want to have happen. You know, we can't control life. The moment we start to think we can control life, I mean, that's the beginning of madness. Both are unreal. And we have to let that battle die and allow our true nature, our true self to come through. That Meister quote, we have to get to that point of wanting for nothing, willing nothing and knowing nothing. And Lent is an opportunity to reset our minds and decide to transform fear rather than project it and blame others, project it onto others and blame them, to embody that emotional photosynthesis that I've been talking about. And then you get to those key words, seek the way of Christ in all things, the way of Christ. Christ being the word for the eternal, so seek the way of the eternal in all things. And it's really important to say that, you know, Christ wasn't Jesus's last name. You know, it is the aspect of the eternal. It represents the two natures. Jesus represents the human nature and Christ represents his divine nature. He always says there's two natures when he's portrayed with his fingers like that. The same nature that we have. We have that human nature and that divine nature. And this is a process of human nature this process that we're going to do, bowing to divine nature. It is saying the human nature bows to the divine. Do not seek your own way, but seek the way of the divine. And in, in so doing, we let go of our full selves. In seeking the divine, we let go of all those ideas, our full selves, and allow ourselves to be led into a greater consciousness within us all. Now, I think rituals are important because they give us a physical way of doing something that marks a moment where we, we allow ourselves to enter into a new stage. So I'm going to ask the four people who are going to come. We've got four ashes, including myself. So, so Mandy is going to come up and David is going to come up, you, uh, and, uh, and Greg as well. And uh, what we've all got is we've all got um, a little bit of ash here. And the idea is that the, the ash 
someone will be there and they'll have a little bit of ash and they're just going to put a stroke on your forehead like that. And they will say to you, dust you are and to dust you shall return. Seek the way of Christ in all things. And in receiving that, you sort of almost ascent into that moment of, of giving up on that fear. We're just going to play some music while that happens. So we're going to stand here. And if you'd like to come up in no particular order to any one of these four stations, then, uh, then um, please feel free to do so. And so we, we, we transcend our thoughts. We let go of fear. We decide to give ourselves up to that divine presence, that consciousness within. And there are some lovely words from Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And so I'm going to invite you to begin Lent by tearing up your masks and bring them up. Do you like this sort of Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> Very current, you see. Shelley, frankly, did that. Very current. I think he's coming out next week, but... Uh, it is the, the, the death of whatever it is. You, those of you who have not seen Beauty and the Beast, forget it. But uh, anyway, that, that is our Beauty and the Beast, I think. And I'm going to invite you just to come, take your mask and tear it up and then just p- bring it up here and place it here, symbolizing your willingness to start again, being willing to transform fear. We'll be getting them all up and sticking them together again. We know who you are, <laughs> which is in itself... Dead to ourselves to begin Lent, which is in itself a preparation for death and resurrection. And as you come up and place it here, experience letting go of your desire to control. And in its place, open yourself to being led during Lent. Maybe led into a new practice, a new way, just a preparation for rebirth. I mean, Easter is coming. Hopefully we'll be up in the mountain and down here at Easter. And it's just a time just to open ourselves up, just to prepare ourselves to let that light in once again. So when you're ready, rip it up. Dan's going to play a little bit of music on his uh, guitar and just uh, place your bits of paper in the receptacle. Jane Jenkins came up to me and said, do I get to keep the pen? (laughs) The answer is no. Willie will have a receptacle uh, for you to put your pen into outside, it just means we don't have to buy another, which means you can give less during the, uh, during the thing. But anyway, somebody, I heard someone say that, well, they were very enthusiastic about that. And that represents, all that stuff represents all that insanity that goes on in our minds. All of that is just represented there for all of us. And just to have let that go is an amazing thing. I, I love these words from Thomas Merton, and I think they really do sum up, uh, you know, what happens when you go into this space. Thomas Merton says, God utters you like a word containing a partial thought of himself. God utters you like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word will never be able to comprehend the voice that utters it. But if you are true to the concept that God utters in you, 
if you are true to the thought of him that you were meant to embody, you shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in yourself and find yourself nowhere. You shall be lost in him. That is, you shall find yourself. You shall be saved. And it's interesting when you, when you've let go of your own thoughts and worries and things about yourself, you can then think about other people and think about, you know, maybe who we might want to say a prayer for. Um, maybe think about people we might want to reach out to. Just a few people in our community to let you know about. David Floria, who's not here today. David, uh, uh, during a yoga session, had, a, had his uh, back, one of his vertebrae uh, was collapsed. And uh, he had to go down to Denver for this. Um, and he's okay now. I've spoken to him a couple of times. Um, but he's going to have to go to some rehab uh, just to really keep his back straight, and he's going to have to have a, a brace on his back. So he's all right, but uh, he's not going to be around for a little while. And just also, uh, another person having a bad back problem is Ellen Stapenhorst, um, who had a, a very bad issue with her back. She's bedridden at the moment, so we just need to think of, of her a bit. Is anybody else that you, anybody would like? Uh, I've got a few people here like us to think about at all and be aware of in prayers today. Does anyone want to mention someone? Yes. Thank you. Val Britt Colbert, just take those. Uh, where's the um, microphone, just in case someone else? Thank you very much for that. Anybody else like us to remember somebody in the prayers at all? Anybody want to? Yes, Alice, do you want to say that here? I'd just like for everybody to think of Jack Fields, uh, the 26-year-old who died in Jackson Hole, ski in the Grand Teton on the 15th. His uh, family, his two brothers and all his fam- um, friends and family, they're Huge, lots and lots of people he's affected. Wonderful kid. Thank you very much. Great. Anybody else like to mention someone? Yes, over here. Thank you. I just heard from Jill Pomeroy that she has major back pain. Jill. 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 Yeah. Great, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, Nick. This is um, a family thing, not so much a valley thing, but I'm thinking a lot about a young man who's only 30 whose wife died of cancer. <laughs> she was only 30. Do we know, know her name? Quincy Myers is his name. Quincy. 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 Thank you very much, Nick. Anybody else? Okay, just take a few moments just, just to maybe... Hold these people in our minds. Lord, we open ourselves collectively to you now. We just hold these people so precious. We hold David Floria. We hold Ellen Stapenhorst. We hold Valbrit Kohlberg. Quincy and Kathy. Geo. We especially hold James, whose family is going to be performing an intervention uh, in California this week. 
and the family of Jack Fields. Pray for all those suffering at the moment. We just remember them in our hearts. Pray for our valley, those visiting, those working. Pray for our country at this time. We do pray for the lessening of fear. Pray that our leaders will come with love and care. Pray for our world, for our future, that you will bless us all in Jesus' name.